It's November 16, 2016, and welcome to another special edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, entrepreneurship, and general geekery. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. To, to kick off today's show, we're going to hear first about a citizen science program called Snap the Shore with Katie Hinson from Sea Grant and uh, Maya. Maya Walton from the Snap the Shore Project. And of course, after the break, Prince uh, <laughs> Precious Willits Vacular from Honolulu Community College, the PCAT program, and Carol Kanayama from the Department of Labor Workforce Development Council are here to talk about IT apprenticeship program and workforce development. On this special edition of the show, the phone lines are going to be reserved for your pledges. This is a special membership drive here in November. If you enjoy our weekly Geek Talks or the great original programming that is shared here on Hawaii Public Radio, we hope you will consider supporting it at HPR with your call. And of course, that number, if it hasn't been already drilled into your mind, is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 toll-free from the neighbor islands, and that is the phone number you can call to make your pledge. Absolutely. Of course, we'll uh, we'll head over to Pledge Central in a few minutes, but first, we want to welcome our in-studio guests. First up, we want to talk to and welcome uh, Katie Hinzen and Maya Walton. They're both from the Sea Grant program, and they're here to tell us about, about a cool citizen science program called Snap the Shore. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We're really excited to be here. Now, this Snap the Shore program, I, I actually heard it on the uh, news, and I thought, wow, this is pretty cool, because cool, every time I hear about citizen science, I, mm-hmm, I like the mm-hmm. idea of getting citizens involved with you know, being a part of the, the, the scientific discovery and exploration process. So tell us, uh, you know, Maya, tell us a little bit about what is Snap the Shore. Sure. So the project is called Hawaii and Pacific Islands King Tides Project. Um, And it's a really cool project. It's a citizen science program, and we need everyone's help in photographing the coastline this week, actually. We want people to head out this Thursday, November 17th, and this Friday, November 18th, um, and use a free smartphone application to help us photograph the coastlines. And we're hoping to get as many photos as possible of king tide impacts along Hawaii's shorelines we, we need everyone's help. I love the sound of that. I, I definitely love being able to get everyday people involved in kind of being human sensors and going out and collecting information from more places and more perspectives that could possibly be done if it was left purely to scientists or, or, or uh, the people who are trying to do the research. Now, Katie, uh, I hear this King's Tide. We're trying to record the King's Tide. What is, what is the King's Tide? Well, I had, you know, I had asked her what the Queen's Tide is, but uh, she had a good answer for that. But What's the king's tide? Why is it the king's tide? Yes, I'm actually going to let Maya answer that because I think she has a better response Ah, than I do. Sure. So um, king tides are, um, they happen a couple times a year. They're the highest high tides of the year. And in the Hawaiian Islands, they tend to happen in the summer months and in the winter months. Um, And as you guys know, the tides, these things happen because of the position of the moon and the sun and the earth. And what happens during a king tide's king tide is two things. First, what's happening is the moon, the sun, and the earth are um, in alignment. They're in line together. And the second thing that's happening is the moon is really close to the earth. So you probably remember this week we had the super moon. That's right. Yes. And everyone was going out and taking photographs. Um, So this week happens to be one of the weeks where we're having um, some of the highest high tides of the year. Um, And we really want people to go out and photograph the coastline. So, so Katie, when the um, when we have these conditions where it's the highest tide, uh, what do you 
expect to encounter? I mean, are we looking for the, you know, sort of the uh, erosion effect of high tides? Yeah, so one of the things that photographing king tides allows us to do is to get a little bit of a picture of what we think our coastline might look like uh, in the future. So we know that sea levels are rising mm. in Hawaii and across the Pacific, and we actually expect to see about a three-foot rise in sea level by the year 2100. Mm -hmm. So we already see a lot of coastal communities all around Hawaii struggling with chronic erosion, um, which has all different kinds of impacts for beach loss, for endangering uh, critical coastal habitat like wetlands and coral reefs, um, and also having major damage for homes and businesses and infrastructure on the coastline. So these are problems that are probably going to get worse with sea level rise uh, and that we see worsen sometimes during king tide events. So collecting photos and data on high tides can help us get a better understanding of what our coastline might look like down the road with higher sea levels. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Now, uh, Maya, is this something that's exclusive to Hawaii or are people, it sounds, if these issues are global, it would sound like Snap the Shore would be something that would happen everywhere. Yeah, th so this is part of an international effort to um, photograph king tides, and we're um, leading the effort here in the Pacific region. And we actually have people who are planning on contributing photographs not only from the Hawaiian Islands, but we're working with people from American Samoa, the Marshall Islands, and Guam as well. Um, so if you're interested in the photographs after this Thursday and Friday, you can go to the website and see photographs from all of these different places. Well, there was a quick, I did a quick Google that I see maybe New Hampshire or, you know, other other areas, but they're doing things like emailing us the photo or hashtagging it on social media. How How is it that we are fortunate to have a specific dedicated app to this? Yeah, so we are using a really cool free mobile app. Um, and you can download it onto your phone. And it just makes um, submitting the photograph to our database a lot simpler. So what happens is when you use the free mobile app and you can go to the website to get instructions on how to download that app onto your phone, um, it automatically uh, populates the date and the time and your location using your phone's GPS. So um, please go to the website. Um, get the app on your phone, and we love to see photographs from the coastlines that are in your backyard. You know, we'll definitely put that up on our, our show notes uh, later on tonight. And so, so Katie, you know, in terms of um, the uh, training, I know there was some training that was done prior to the actual outing, which will take place this weekend. And can you maybe describe what took place during the training? I mean, what do people need to be prepared to at least be proficient at while going out there and taking these pictures? Yeah, so the app is actually really user-friendly. Um, it's not difficult at all. You definitely don't need to be trained or certified or have any kind of special background. If you can take a photo, you can contribute to the project. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and we have lots of really easy-to-follow step-by-step instructions, even some short YouTube tutorials that are available on our website. Um, and the easiest way to find that website is to just Google uh, Hawaii Sea Grant King Tides Project. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really simple. You just uh, download the app, and then you can go out and take photos of the shoreline. And as Maya mentioned, your phone will do a lot of the work for you. If you don't have a smartphone um, but you are interested in participating, you can also take photos with a regular old digital camera. Old? Old. <laughs> <laughs> what about one with film in it? Uh, <laughs> there might be a delay <laughs> on that one, but you can definitely take photos with a digital camera and upload them using your desktop or your laptop to the public database. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to mention, too, the other asset to using an app versus some sort of hashtag or emailing photos to people is that it populates a, a public 
accessible database that everybody can tap into. So researchers from different universities um, or policymakers can access those photos and use them for their planning processes and their research. And the public can see kind of photos in their backyard as well. Actually, so that's uh, that was something I was going to ask. You know, Maya, Bert, and I have a long background in open data and making big data sets available to the public. So if you're a developer or you're a creative thinker or you're just into data visualization, you can find interesting ways to use it. Uh, is this information that is gathered through citizen science something that is not only used by scientists but also open to participants or even just curious people who might want to take a virtual walk around our shoreline? Absolutely. So again, as Katie said, the data set is publicly accessible. So anyone who has internet access can see all of the data and all of the photographs. We've already um, worked closely with researchers from the university. So we're in um, we're partnering in collaboration with researchers from the Pacific Islands Climate Science Center. And these researchers are using photographs that the public submits to this data set to help verify um, and ground truth some of the models that they're building. So um, every photograph is a really, really important contribution to this public database. So that was a, you know, I think you partially answered the question. The, the <laughs> products that result from people going out there and shooting pictures are some of these sort of ground truthing. And what would be the, let's say, the output? Would there be a report that comes out? Would there, will there be a, a visualization that might be a composite of what some of the potential erosion effects might be? I mean, what, what would people expect maybe, you know, maybe six months, one year down the road as a result of these photos? That's a great question. So another um, group that we're partnering with is the state, um, and they're putting together a state sea level rise vulnerability report. Mm -hmm. And certainly the data and the photographs that are collected through this collective effort are going to help to inform that report as well. Oh, very good. And you can also already find on the website an interactive map of the Hawaiian Islands mm -hmm. where you can see little orange dots of, of photos that people have already taken. So they're all kind of collected in that location. Um, and for Hawaii Sea Grant, it's really useful because it's one thing to, we do a lot of public education and engagement. And it's one thing to talk to people about the abstract concept of sea level rise or coastal inundation. But if you have photographs from their neighborhood, um, for the places where they like to go to the beach, where they like to, to surf and do sports, that has a lot more impact. Mm -hmm. So I see right now the Republic of the Marshall Islands, they're going through it right now. Then the Hawaiian Islands, as you mentioned this weekend, American Samoa follows that, and then Guam. Um, is the UH and the SOEST involvement, the Sea Grant involvement, encompassing all of those specific regions in terms of the data that you're collecting and you're looking at, or is your focus specifically this weekend's Hawaiian Islands uh, data collection? Yeah, we're organizing for all of those different mm -hmm. locations. Um, and as you mentioned, the dates are different depending on where you live. Um, so be sure to go to the Hawaii Sea Grant website. We have um, information on when you should head to the shore and take the picture. And it depends on which island you're on and actually which shore you're on. So times here on the South Shore uh. in Honolulu are going to be a little bit different than times on the North Shore. So That's you have to be fairly conscientious of the time, right? Uh, because that's what you're looking for, the highest tide. So if somebody actually walks out to the beach, they're not going to be looking for a representative from Sea Grant, right? I mean, they're just <laughs> going to be on the beach at the time taking the picture. 
So we will happily accept photos from any time. It doesn't necessarily have to be the highest of the highest king tide. All photos are useful for us because mm -hmm. if you think about it, it's also useful to have comparisons at lower tides or uh, when it's on its way to the highest point. So really, you don't have to be too worried about snapping a photo at exactly the minute that is okay, the highest okay. king tide. Um, whenever you're able to go out is useful. But we do try to mobilize people around the dates of the highest king tide because that, that is helpful for us to, to see those really high water photos. Mm -hmm. Um, and for most of the people listening in the Hawaiian Islands, that would be November 17th and 18th. Very so good. I know there's a lot of information on that Sea Grant website, seagrant.soest.hawaii.edu. In fact, Katie, your picture's right there on the front page as well. But to get to the app and not find all that information, we will also put the links in our show notes at bitemarkscafe.org. And, of course, thanks, Katie and Maya, for joining us. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. And after this short break, we'll return to talk, to talk about IT apprenticeship program over at Honolulu Community College and Workforce Development. That's right. But again, if you enjoy local programming like this on Hawaii Public Radio, we really encourage you to participate in this very special membership drive here in November. Consider it a late birthday present to me or an early Thanksgiving present. Give thanks for HPR. All right. Well, welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Ryan Ozawa, and and of course I'm Bert Lum. Joining us today are Precious Willits Vacular and uh, Carol Karayama, as well as Courtney Chambers. Carol is a program manager with the Hawaii Department of Labor Industrial Relations Workforce Development Division. Courtney Chambers is an instructor in business analysis at Honolulu Community College. And of course, we're doing a special pledge drive show today, and of course, we appreciate. All of your calls, and that number to call is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. Precious Court and Carol, we want to welcome you all to Bite Marks Cafe. Oh, thank, thank you for you having us. Much. Thank you. So we want to start with, well, there's a couple of things that are that's going on that we want to kind of get to. And, and Honolulu Community College is involved with developing kind of an, an IT apprenticeship program. And, and Carol, uh, you're with the Workforce Development Division with the state of Hawaii. Um, maybe I can ask you first off, before we get into the details, um, how is it that you determine what areas get sort of the attention placed on to develop this expertise? Well, actually, in this case, it had to do with funding. Mm -hmm. We had mm -hmm. funds from the H-1B visa grant source from Federal Department of Labor, and so H-1B visa fees pay for foreign imported workers who are professionals into America. Mm -hmm. In Hawaii, the greatest need and greatest importation was for IT specialists, and this is why the grant that we got from federal government focused on IT apprenticeships in Hawaii. Oh, okay. And then, uh, so when with that grant, uh, you would then reach out to places like PCAT, which is, you know, the... Um, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training over at Honolulu Community College. And what, uh, Precious, I mean, you take that on as being sort of the, the uh, resource to now develop an IT apprenticeship uh, program? Yeah, so because Honolulu Community College is known for being one of the uh, main um, trades-related apprenticeship programs for the state, um, we've been using that framework to develop this IT apprenticeship project where the focus is on business analysis, computer um, software developers. Um, the new one that we're focusing on now is IT security support specialists. So based on meeting the outcomes of the grant, we focus on using economic modeling information to choose the different areas of training. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Now, Courtney, um, you meant uh, we you say you're a business analysis instructor for the Honolulu Community College. Um, is that a longstanding program? Because you know we've talked about PCAD and some of that network and security training, but um, this this business analysis piece is perhaps one I'm less familiar with. And can you explain how that fits into this uh, apprenticeship program? Uh, yes, this new program that we are going to be starting in 2017, January. Um, and it's going to be a very interesting program. Um, I have um, spent the last uh, few years of my career in business analysis. Um, I just finished up a, a, a presidential management fellowship at, in uh, Washington, D.C., and it was um, in uh, business analysis for the uh, Department, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. So I'm hoping to bring some of that knowledge back. And... Um, work to motivate these students to further their career through business analysis. And it is a, a up-and-growing market throughout the, the nation right now. So, Court, uh, Court, when you say business analysis, what is included in business analysis? I mean, what would... If I'm coming in, I'm pretty, I'm pretty green. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm coming in from the, the hotel industry or something. What would business analysis enable me to do? In one sentence, business analysis actually just helps business do business better. Uh, basically, it consists of analytical thinking and problem solving, leadership and influencing, uh, negotiation, mediation, business knowledge, communication skills mm. is another big plus mm -hmm. for business analysis. Mm -hmm. uh, we want the the students or we want the the apprentice to come into the workforce with those communication communication skills, those business writing skills, reading uh, technology, uh, technology uh, documents uh, effectively. And so we want to prepare them, build that foundation, and make sure that when they enter that uh, workforce as an apprentice, they already have that foundation. They have the technology, and they have those those writing skills and fundamentals. Now, Carol, when it comes to workforce development, it comes to programs that we've uh, featured frequently at Tonolulu Community College and PCAT. You know, a lot of uh, that kind of gets roughly grouped under uh, grouped under like vocational training and hands-on training. Um, and what what Court Court is talking about is. I would say kind of definitely feels like a new addition to that bigger package, something that you might just as easily find at a business college or an MBA program. So, I mean, is this uh, realization of a long-term vision, is this driven, as you had mentioned, more by the funding? How is that uh, expansion from what, might, what someone might say from vocational training to, to language or business training coming about? Ooh, that's great because that's a good question. Apprenticeship model is really something that combines everything you're saying. It's a combination of hands-on training combined with academics. And in every vocational area, whether it's in a professional area or blue-collar, white-collar, even the medical field, all the employers are saying they need people with soft, what we call soft skills, the ability to communicate, take direction, have good work habits, have good attitudes. So... Apprenticeship really is a model proven from back in medieval days and is used widely in Europe, not so much in America. So mm. we're trying to, in America, replicate that success of training the workforce in a way that can produce the kind of qualified workers that industry of any sector needs. 
So yes, we're trying to address all that through apprenticeship. And whether you call it vocational mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or professional, apprenticeship can fit in either sector. Nice. So Carol, uh, where do you see the uh, students coming from primarily for this program? It can be new hires of the employer because there is going to be a growing demand for IT and Precious has some great statistics on that. It can also come from the workforce of the employer already. So someone may be already working there. It could be someone already working in IT, for example, but needs to have more structured training and some related classroom instruction to go with it because those are two hallmarks of apprenticeship programs. And Or it could be someone who is working in another capacity and the employer knows is a good worker, has the potential to get into another field, and that person could also go into an apprenticeship program. Now, uh, so Precious, uh, let's get to that. I mean, uh, certainly people coming from the IT side looking to expand their skills, I can see. But, uh, you know, Carol makes a good point in sort of that there's also people who are in jobs or working for companies and want to expand their skill set. The company I work for does the same. In fact, I think we had sent someone through the PCAT network security program. But how does that break down in terms of your student body? So as far as... um The IT apprenticeship, we ran some economic modeling data using EMSI. And for our IT security support specialists, um, based on the data we ran, there is about over 1,700 positions that's going to be readily available within the next um, four years here, here specifically here in Hawaii. Um, And as far as for our business analysis track, we ran some um, economic modeling data, and we found that there is nearly about 1,300 positions that's going to be readily available here in Hawaii over the next four years. Well, yeah, I was kind of wondering about that. I mean, there's so there's the uh, employers that are trying to get their employee, you know, employees up to speed on certain aspects of IT. Uh, but then there's a demand, right? There's there's also, also this demand out there. Carol, where do you see this demand coming from? Is it coming from the government sector? Is it coming from private private sector? And in the private sector, do you have an idea as to what kinds of companies are, are looking for these people? Well, that's something that we're really relying on the business community to come forward and tell us, okay, where are your needs and how can we help you? We do know that every company pretty much has a need for technology. And so Mm -hmm. whether they contract it out, whether they depend on their own part-time helpers or whether they have a unit within their organization, everyone depends on IT. So there's going to be, there is a need already for everyone to have some expertise. This model of apprenticeship will help work businesses fill those needs however they want to. So every business will have slightly different or maybe very different needs among the same occupational areas. And so apprenticeship is customized to each employer, or it could be where apprenticeship can meet the needs of several employers altogether and so have a common kind of apprenticeship program and then customize after that per employer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Courtney, when you uh, work put together a program and especially adding in this business analysis piece, uh, I like that Carol says that it's kind of customized for the need of a particular business, but is there a prioritization there? Is there a, a specific path where you start in one skill area and move on through, or is it different for every student? It is different for every student, but there are three key areas that we're going to focus on continuous operational improvement, looking at operations and implementing incremental changes, innovation, and improving our ability to adapt in a changing market. So what we hope to do is work with the organizations, find out exactly what they need, and then work in those three key areas to what they need as well so that those uh, students um, or the apprentice uh, is – 
getting the analytical training that they will need to to succeed in in that business. Um, and what we also found through teaching some other courses is we don't want to make this boring. We don't want them to come into class and just be lectured to for three hours at a time. We want to make this interactive. We want every student to be able to uh, access their laptops, be able to work with their laptops, and have an interactive classroom that um, motivates them as well as trains them. Do you have a sense as to how many credits would be required to go through this uh, entire program? Um, we Well, basically we, we've created five courses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fundamentals of Business Analysis, Business Analysis Planning and Project Management, Requirements Elicitation and Analysis, Requirements Management and Communication, and solution assessment and validation. So those are the five key areas that we're going to focus on. In each one will be an individual and separate course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then uh, I think uh, I wanted to also kind of maybe dig into like the IT part of the imp- apprenticeship program. But before we actually do that, uh, we want to kind of hold that thought. And then uh, we are going to Take a short break, actually, you know, maybe a little longer than our normal short breaks, uh, and we'll continue our conversation with uh, uh, Precious Willits-Vacular and, of course, uh, Courtney Chambers, and they're both over at Honolulu Community College, and, uh, and we have uh, Carol Kanayama, and she's with the Workforce Development Division, and we're talking about IT apprenticeship and the general you know, how do we fill the workforce that is requiring all these Certainly IT expertise? meeting the needs of tomorrow's company. Now, of course, we'd love to hear from you, too. But the way we would love to hear from you in this special day is by calling the numbers you know so well, 941-3689 or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands to pledge your support and to perhaps join HPR for the very first time. But to tell you a little bit more about, and although I'm sure you know, about the value that HPR provides to our community, we're going to hand, hand things over back once again to Molly and friends over in Pledge Central. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. Thanks, Molly and Nick and all the great folks in Pledge Central. And we hope that you'll continue to call to pledge support. That Bluetooth speaker is awesome. Awesome. It's really cool. I'm thinking about I was thinking about getting an Amazon dot and you could attach it to that and have an HPR little Alexa talking to you. But in any case, <laughs> let's get back to the program. We are here talking to Precious Willits-Vacular, uh, as Carol Kanayama as well, and Courtney Chambers about this next generation workforce and IT apprenticeship. And of course, that fo- those phone lines, even though we're talking and we're live in the studio here, those phone lines are still open for your pledges. And that number, if you haven't already memorized it, is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And, you know, we're talking to all the neighbor islands now. Statewide. And statewide, and even the big island. Aloha, Kate. And there's somebody on the, on the you know, in Hilo that should be calling. She's texting me. And pledging your money, Ryan. <laughs> anyway, uh, right now, of course, we were talking about IT apprenticeship programs and talking about workforce development. And what I wanted to do is talk a little bit to Precious about some of the specifics that are part of IT, the IT part of the apprenticeship program. And this this has been going on for a while, right? So that's pretty well developed. But maybe Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about what is included in that IT piece of the apprenticeship. So the the special thing about this um, specific pathway is um, we're focusing on in areas that 
entails the different types of IT courses that PCAT have been offering in the past, like your A-plus certification, understanding the different types of software, hardware, infrastructures that someone um, new to different types of IT positions would need to know in order to communicate with um, troubleshooters who call for help. Um, as well as Security Plus, that's the latest thing, right? You know, mm -hmm. with network security, you know, cybersecurity, that's the, the end thing right now, making sure that um, we're operating safely and using, um, changing our passwords and not using simple passwords where people can, you know, get into your data easily. So we're incorporating some of the different types of training programs we've been offering, but working closely with employers, that's the beauty and importance of our IT apprenticeship is getting that employ employer buy-in where we're developing the training to meet the needs of industry, not specifically just creating it for the sake of tr creating training, but getting buy-in from people who will be actually hiring these individuals um, in order to be a part of this IT apprenticeship. And with PCAT being a consortium for the, the seven community colleges, the seven community college campuses statewide, we look to execute this project to all the neighbor islands. Well, one of the, one of the things I want to make a pitch for is, you know, the fact that we've all, we all talk about, well, Ryan and I talk about open data. And I've been talking to uh, Steve Arabach about mm -hmm. the, the fact that I think there's a need as a part of the IT apprenticeship to maybe consider data literacy because I think mm -hmm. there's a growing mm -hmm. need for uh, whether it's government workers or, or private mm -hmm. sector workers to better understand and appreciate data as an asset. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I'm going to make that pitch. I did call out to Steve, so maybe <laughs> maybe he'll listen and take me up on that. So, so Carol, uh, you know, in terms of some of the actual companies that are looking to take advantage of this, I mean, maybe maybe share a little bit of what you've been working on in terms of the actual uh, employer side of things. When the grant was being developed, we worked with several employers, and the main ones that have been actually continuing to work with us and developed apprenticeship programs are Pseudocrew, mm -hmm. HMS Hawaii Medical Services Association, Hawaii Pacific Health, and the State of Hawaii Enterprise Technology Services. We also worked with the city and county of Honolulu uh, for a while, and so these are they either actively developed a program or they're still working on it. So the first three I mentioned actually have approved apprenticeship programs now. And it's still pretty new territory in Hawaii to develop an apprenticeship program in IT. So our approach was to, with our core group, which is PCAT and, um, and Dev League and ourselves and these core employers, was to develop some models first that actually worked so mm -hmm. that we can say, okay, this is working here in Hawaii, and peers of businesses can talk to each other and see how it worked out. And that would be a lot more appealing and motivating than for government to tell you, oh, it's working. Uh -huh. so, so that oh, good. So, um, Courtney, when we uh, bring in these new business literacy skills into a program like this, I would imagine that kind of opens up even more widely the kinds of employers you might be able to work with. So you right now you might have worked with a lot of development companies or network security companies, but when you're talking about being able to work with technical manuals or understand business language in addition to the technical side, that's almost every business today. Absolutely, and that is both private and government as well. Uh, business analysis, uh, most organizations at this time use business analysts uh, in their everyday operations. And that can be everything from uh, st uh, strategic planning all the way down to IT uh, work. Um, we're also one of the big benefits that I wanted to point out, too, that we're going to be working with our, our uh, participants with is the certification. 
we hope to, with the International Institute of Business Analysis, they have four levels of business analysis certification. Mm-hmm. The ECBA, which is entry level, the CCBA, uh, Certificate of Capability, and the CBAP, which is Certified Business Analysis Professional. Uh, so we're going to work with these uh, participants to also prepare f- them for those certification levels. So get them motivated, get those certifications under the belt, get them out there in the workforce. And just as we are teaching them to innovate and adapt, we are going to innovate and adapt. And if we're, if we're not going down that right vector and we need to adjust some, uh, and those employers tell us we'd like you to focus more on this, a little mm-hmm. less on that. We're gonna we're gonna be adaptive. We're gonna go in there. And we're gonna try to provide them with the best employees mm-hmm. possible. Now, now, Carol, you mentioned uh, a couple of company companies that we're pretty familiar with, uh, Sudacru and and DevLeague. Now, Sudacru is is part of the partnership, but they are on the apprenticeship uh, development part of it, right? I mean, they they're looking at validating whether the apprenticeship program works for them. They're actually a sponsor, what we call a sponsor. So they're employing an apprentice because an apprentice is a paid employee. It's an employee from day one. And this employee who's an apprentice is participating in a structured, on-the-job learning going on while they're getting related classroom instruction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so this the related classroom instruction is a part that we need the training providers like PCAT and... So DevLeague Dev Dev is, is in, in the example of DevLeague. I mean, DevLeague has a, a, a intense boot camp for coders, right? So I imagine them as being um, the the producer of of code ready employee employees. So there's somebody out there that's going to hire them. So what DevLeague does a good job of they they train them and then they get them employed. So they kind of work directly with the employers. And I think um, you mentioned also. Uh, HPH and HMSA. So are you working with them tightly so that they can bring in some of these uh, graduates from the program? Dev League is actually very active in, like you said, getting employers into their services as well as promoting this program. It's kind of, like I said, this is still pretty new. It's uh, it's a little bit uncharted in Hawaii, and these are pioneers, really, who are helping to get it started here. Mm -hmm. Other states, some other states have been doing it for many years, but not so much in Hawaii. So it's really like Captain Kirk, you know, new (laughs) worlds. And I give my hats Mm -hmm. off to these guys that are willing to take the time to help get it started. And once we have some successful models in place, it gets a lot easier for others to say, okay, it worked for them, maybe it'll work for me. So in terms of HMSA and HP, uh, Hawaii Mm -hmm. Pacific Health getting the word out for us, we're hoping that they will do that. They have not hired an apprentice. They haven't gotten their apprentice on board yet. The program got approved, so the next step is to have an apprentice, whether it's from outside or inside, that's something that still needs to be determined. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we're at the cusp yet of the new thing in Hawaii. So the window's wide open for employers, and we thank you for letting us get the word out. Absolutely. I mean, I, and I think that for employers, I can see how attractive it is. You might before have thought about picking up an intern or a student. I mean, not that there isn't value to that, but when you talk, I like how you said, Carol, that these are people who are paid. They are working, but they are being brought up through an apprenticeship program. Mm-hmm. Let me talk a little quickly, though, about the potential participant in this program. Precious, uh, Precious, you talked about the certifications that already existed, and I think that, uh, you know, Court did a good job of talking about these new certifications that come in. So if you were someone working for a company that has a technology wing and you want to expand your skills, how would you convey the value to them of participating and maybe getting some of these certifications on their resume? 
I think the beauty of it is, you know, being a part of this um, project is you get the tuition assistance um, in order to get the actual training, in order to get the certifications needed, in order to be more valuable to the different employers out there looking to hire individuals, um, as well as for on the employer side, it's you get some tuition, um, some employment um, assistance where, you know, if you hire someone new, you get a portion amount of money to um, train and um, send them through the program huh. as well. Yeah. So so um, you have some employers. Employers might put people through an apprenticeship program. If you were off the street wanting to perhaps better your skill in your higher ability, would this program be an attraction? Yes, it could be, um, especially if you're um, going into new territory where you want to dabble in technology um, instead of using your financial aid um, through the regular normal university system. You can try this out and see, oh, you know what, I think I like you know this IT spectrum mm -hmm. and maybe I want to further my college education through our computing, e electronics, networking technology program through Honolulu Community College Ascent program. You can either go that way, that route, into going into um, further Furthering, furthering your college education or getting into the the employment pathway, go to work when you're established with making money to survive here in Hawaii is so expensive, then you can always come back for us to further your education. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, it's a good um, outlook where, you know, if you went from being unemployed, dislocated to making at least $22, $23 an hour, that's, you know... Mm. Great. That's attractive. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, I mean, uh, Carol, you mentioned how this is new. It's about getting the word out. I think, you know, certainly appearing on Bite Marks Cafe helps. It's going to help that. Um, but right. so what is it that you think you need to make this program a success, a great demonstration to continue it further in the future? Well, if we had more successful models to promote, then that would bring in more employers. So employers, all you listeners, if you're an employer, please contact Homewood Community College or Dev League or contact our office at the Department of Labor. We'd be so happy to talk to you and tell you more about it and see how you can benefit from this. Well, very good. I mean, we'll put up some links to your website and people can find out more information about the, uh, the, the Department of Labor and Industrial Relations, which you are, are a part of, and the Workforce Development Division. So we want to thank both uh, Precious Willis Bacular and Courtney Chambers, both from Honolulu Community College. And, of course, Carol Kaneyama is with the Department of Labor and Workforce Development uh, Division. And we want to thank you all for joining us today. Oh, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. The show's not quite over, but we will want you to join us next week when we talk about the ag tech sector. Well, that's a sector that you're pretty familiar with, I a little would bit. assume. So we're going to be, you know, talking about ag tech. We're also going to be putting this show up uh, on our website later on tonight. And, of course, that uh, link that you want to go to is bitemarkscafe.org. And, of course, if you have any comments or suggestions, you can feel free to email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at BiteMarks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is Rob Carlisle. Our executive producer is Beth, as <laughs> Beth Ann Kozlovich. And, of course, we will check back with our friends in Pledge Central. Take it away, Molly. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Sacred Hearts Academy, and Urgent Care Hawaii.